We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Mike Foreston, a career winner of more than $10,000 in the FFPC and an owner of a top 40 team in this year's Football Guys Players Championship and a top 100 team in the FFPC main event. In this episode, we discuss how he was able to manage his football guys team nearly to the top even after picking David Johnson at the 101, Kenyon Drake's Week 13 role, and who his 2018 number one tight end is. You can follow Mike on Twitter at mforestaesq. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champ David Hubbard, dish on Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster, and his advice for new players in the championship round in the FFPC for the first time. You can follow Hubbard on Twitter at 208-858-740. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, David Hubbard. David, uh, League Championship Week is here in the FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship. The waiver wire will lock on Friday night for good for the rest of 2017 for both those competitions. What's the best advice you can give players who've never played in this format before, who are going to be in the championship round or are playing to get into the championship round this weekend, and they won't be able to make any moves over the next four weeks? What's the best uh, piece of advice you can give them? I would tell them to make sure you got a backup quarterback. A lot of times people go naked at quarterback. Make sure you got a backup tight end because last night I've had this happen before. I've gambled, what I call gambling, and uh, just go naked at tight end or naked because I want to carry extra running backs. But if you have a really good team, I've lost some teams at the end, end where they had a chance to really do some finish high and uh, and uh, the tight end got hurt in week 15 and I went naked at tight end, so I didn't have a backup tight end. The same thing with quarterback. Even kicker, I mean, it got a lot, some people don't uh, like doing it, but I also had a kicker go down. So I would just try to make my roster uh, at this point. Uh, if you have somebody to cut, I would cut them in favor of carrying backups at those positions because the last thing you want to get to week 16 with a chance to win it overall and you don't have a quarterback. So I, I I've think, been there. I, I think of uh, <clears throat> our Football Guys Players Championship overall winner from a few years ago, Sean Coots, uh, almost didn't have a quarterback. Week 16 was forced to play Eli Manning because it was the only quarterback on his roster uh, after an injury uh, happened. And, uh, that I remember that team well. Yeah, and, yep. and, and Gary Allen, who won the, the FFPC main event a couple of years ago, uh, he only ran in with Drew Brees, and there was a chance that Drew Brees was concussed and wasn't going to play Week 16. And, you know, the Saints had nothing to play for. Brees still played, and he crushed it, and Gary Allen ended up winning the competition. However, those stories could have been much different had those guys, uh, uh, you know, not played for them, and they, and they wouldn't have had a, a different quarterback. So you definitely bring up a good point there. Uh, one of the players that a, a, a lot of people will – I don't want to say they're – on, but they're very excited to see what's going to happen with him is Josh Gordon, who is making his 2017 debut uh, this coming weekend. First time in more than three years or nearly three years that he will be playing. If he comes out uh, this weekend, limited snaps and puts up double digit fantasy points, is he a guy that if you own him anywhere that you'd be willing to trot out in your lineup during the championship round? Sure. I mean, if, if he comes back, I mean, I can't name a player personally that set out of football for three years and came back and played. And I'm rooting for Josh Gordon. I don't own a lot of Josh Gordon. I have him on one really, really good team. Uh, but I, I can't think of anybody in the history of the NFL that's been set out for three years and came back in and was immediately tearing it up. But the guy is super talented. He has speed, and speed uh, uh, makes you uh asset in, in football. So, and he has good hands, so if he can, uh, he's been practicing, so there's a chance, and I would definitely play him. He's like a wall card. Uh, might not be owned a lot in the in the uh, shootout. Uh, I don't know what his percentage would be, but I, I would guess it would be low. Uh, so, yeah, he'd definitely be a guy I would uh, fire up if, if the right on the right team in the right situation. He will be playing opposite Corey Coleman, a pretty good weapon, and uh, having uh, being able to catch passes from Deshaun Kaiser is certainly is an improvement than some of the quarterbacks he's been catching passes from. So we will be uh, watching that Browns game to see what happens with Josh Gordon against the Los Angeles Chargers in Week 13. Uh, in that same division that the Chargers play in, uh, who they are chasing at the top of the division, barely, is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid 
was questioned this week about switching from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he said that he's not going to do that. However, it's certainly possible that he could do that uh, in the championship round of the FFPC main event. If he does make that switch uh, for you, David, does anything change for you in regards to whether you're starting or how much you're starting Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, or Travis Kelsey, or is it status quo for those three players? It's not really status quo with Kareem Hunt right now. I, Kareem Hunt, something went bad wrong, and that's that deal because he was he was really good, and now he's been horrible. So I don't know if it's the offensive line, the play calling. Uh, Alex Smith has regressed. I don't know what it is, but uh, Patrick Holmes might be actually uh, give him more value. Maybe uh, Alex Smith's just not seeing the field very well right now. They don't throw the ball down the field anymore. They they play real conservative, but Hunt. I read a stat today where he they were like third in the NFL at, at yards uh, first contact, and now they're like third to last. So he's getting contacted in the backfield a lot. Where it, when he was first started out, he was getting contacted after four or five yards down the field. So that's changed their whole offense, and it's kind of uh, shrunk the field on them a little bit. So I, I don't think it, I don't think Andy Reid will go away from Alex Smith this year. I think next year will be the Patrick Mahomes time. So I don't think it'll be an issue. I think it's going to be Alex Smith. So people that own a lot of Kelsey or Hunt or uh, those guys will have to make some tough and Tariq Hill will have to make some decisions. I don't know how much upside they have moving forward. Yeah, it's it's what a switch it was with those Chiefs players, uh, what we thought of them at the start of the year and, and where we're at right now with them. Very, very interesting. And there's a lot of teams that rode those guys in the first part of the season to get to their league playoff championship and then to uh, to get into the championship rounds. Like you said, tough decisions facing those Chief owners uh, this weekend. Final question for you, David, this week. Martavis Bryant actually looked pretty good in Juju Smith-Schuster's absence. I believe he had uh, four catches, 40 yards, also had a carry in there, drew a couple of penalties, including one in the end zone uh, for PI. Uh, I don't know if Smith Schuster is coming back this week, but I don't think this is a long-term injury for Smith Schuster either. Eventually both these guys will be on the field again when they are together. Do either of them make a good start for championship round lineups? Um, I, I think they do. I mean, I, both of those guys have massive upside and it seems like when Juju's healthy, the Steelers definitely favor Juju. So you would have to think if Juju, uh, Anytime though with a wide receiver and a hamstring, that thing could linger and it might be, uh, he might sit out a while. I don't know. I don't know how serious it is. The Steelers have been kind of quiet on it. At first they said it wasn't that serious, but he didn't play. Didn't even get close to playing. So it's funny. Uh, Juju was a monster and now uh, Martavius Bryant might be the one that has the value in the shootout if Juju can't get back on the field. But if Juju does get back on the field, I'd have to say the Steelers are going to favor him and Martavius is going to go back to his role of just a uh, 10 or 12 plays on the field and then they take a couple of deep shots to him so I would say if, if Juju's deemed 100% healthy is back on the field Juju's the guy you're gonna have to play yeah it, it, this is the reason why it's a marathon not a sprint it seems like these storylines change um, you know <laughs> almost weekly uh, apparently uh, with even you know just a small sample size of players we got to chat with you about uh, this week good luck to you my friend in the uh, in the league championships this week best of luck to you in the championship round we'll we'll touch base again to see how things are going in a couple of weeks but best of luck to you this weekend man can't wait all right balky take care Thanks to David Hubbard for his input this week. Now here's $10,000 FFPC winner Mike Foresta. Mike uh, Foresta, thank you f- uh, so much for joining the, uh, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week. Tell the listeners, uh, when you're not uh, playing fantasy football, what are you doing for a living? 
I'm a lawyer uh, most of the time, <laughs> um, a business owner part of the time. Um, mostly I practice uh, personal injury law here in Massachusetts. You, uh, you wear many hats in your, in your field, and obviously uh, you've been uh, wearing many hats in the high-stakes industry this year because you have a top 40 team in the Football Guys Players Championship. You have a top 100 team in the FFPC main event. I think there might be like two or three other um, owners that, that can talk about that. Maybe not even that, maybe just one or two. Uh, so it's certainly impressive what you've done both in the mid-stakes and the high-stakes uh, national contests this year. What can you tell us about the decisions that you made uh, with these teams as far as drafting goes, as far as lineup setting, as far as um, you know waivers and, and getting your bids right? What, what were the big moves, the big decisions that you made that really have impacted these teams to get them where they are right now? Sure. Um, I mean, it's a complicated uh, process. Um, I, I think anybody who's playing uh, fantasy football at this level has to have a deep love for it. And, um, you know, that love sort of um, leads somewhat to obsession and compulsion. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I rely a lot on my, uh, on my, uh, my team's partner, uh, Adam Rosman, who, who also uh, helps me to run these teams. And uh, when we are approaching uh, getting ready for the fantasy football season, we usually start, um, you know, sometime in, in May, June, and start, you know, taking a look at getting ready to be uh, ready to draft 20 deep. And when I say that, I, I, I mean that I think when you approach a, a fantasy football draft for either mid-stakes or high-stakes, you, you have to... You have to think about every pick as being crucial, um, and and so I think that that's that's what we try to do is have a have a plan for each round. Uh, the worst thing that can happen to you, I think, in a draft is to get stuck, not sure who you're going to take. Um, you you got to have a, you got to have a stable of guys that you are going to uh, going to take. And no uh, four or five picks ahead. You've got to have six or seven players ready. Um, and then the draft is is only half half of it. Uh, managing the team week to week, I think, is just as important. Um, and you know, for some of our teams this year who have had significant injury concerns, I think managing the team has been essential to keeping us in in contention. Yeah, and I think the the biggest injury concern that you guys have had this year in the team that's in 31st overall in the Football Guys Players Championship, you guys had the number one pick uh, in that draft. You take David Johnson, which was obviously a, a very popular pick this year at the 101. Week one, he goes down, misses significant time, does not look like he is going to play the rest of the season. So this happens in week one. You guys um, obviously have to switch into panic mode to, to a certain degree, um, you know, losing not only your first round pick, but the first pick of the draft. What was the action plan that you guys put in place that you executed uh, to, to not only do damage control on this, but still keep this team dominant and still keep it in the top, you know, 40 in the Football Guys Players Championship? Very impressive stuff. How did you guys do it? Well, I, I think the, the answer to that question starts before the draft. Um, you know, I think for me, one of the one of the things I hear most guys talking about or complaining about is um, their draft position in the first round. Um, that you know, oh, you have to have a top three pick, or you have to have a top 
five pick or I only see five, but I have the seven pick. The fact of the matter is, is that you can draft a competitive and championship team from any of the 12 draft spots. And your, your pick in the eighth round is, or seventh or eighth round is just as important as your pick in the first. We take David Johnson in the first, but we take Mark Ingram, I believe, in the seventh round of that draft. Yep. So, you know, you you can't assume anyone is going to be healthy for 16 games in the NFL. It's it's there, you know, there's a good percentage of the players are going to be hurt at least for part of the season, and if you're going to be competitive at this level, you've got to have some players on your bench or ready to step in that 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 can produce the same as a first round pick. Look at look at the first 12 players taken in most drafts. Would you say that any of them outside of maybe Antonio Brown and Lev Bell are truly dominant players? They're not really. And and you've got to be able to get guys in the second, third, fourth, fifth round who are going to be just as good as those guys. Let me let me bring both of those ideas together here when you talk about being 20 deep okay and, and or you know the, the draft 20 deep when you're when you're planning out your execution process for your draft strategy take that now couple it with we're going into the league championship playoff uh, or league championship weekend and then the playoffs of the championship round of both the fpc and the main event how much how important is having a deeper roster now um you know that that you know, the waiver wire will be locking after this uh, weekend in, in the FFPC for the rest of the season. How important is to have that deep roster now that, you know, you'll, you'll, we won't be able to make any moves, but you also want your dominant guys out there every single week. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you've got, you've got to be, able, you've got to be able to, um, you know, you got to be able to manage that, have a deep, uh, sorry about that, Eric. This is, <laughs> this phone is, a, my office phone is ringing. Um, You've got to be able to manage that carefully. Uh, I feel as though a, de- a deep team is always where I want to be. Um, some some people prefer to carry several defenses, several kickers, uh, you know, in the in, in the chance that they want to play matchups or there's going to be an injury. Uh, for me, I, I prefer to have position players deep mostly at the running back and wide receiver position, but also in, in especially in these leagues at the tight end position. Um, because, you know, injuries, if you can craft a team that's not going to be hurt if you lose two or three of your best guys, then you've really got something. You've got something that's going to be able to, to, to go all the way and compete for, for, the, for the ultimate prize. You know, I don't know if you would consider it a mistake for certain owners to carry two kickers um, or, or, you know, two defenses if, if they have prime matchups to, to sort of shorten their depth um, at the other positions. But if there is one mistake uh, that you see this time of year when people are playing for a league championship, when they're playing for a $250,000 grand prize in, in, the, uh, in the championship round, uh, what's the most common mistake you see made as, as far as, you know, uh, roster maintenance or, you know, um, lineup decisions, anything like that. Has there been anything that stands out to you where, you know, year after year, you're like, oh, man, I can't believe that guy did that? There, there's a couple things that stand out to me. One of them is using up all your free agent 
money um, before you know week nine or ten, or or leaving yourself only very uh, only a few dollars. Um, I think that that's a mistake, uh, you know, especially given the fact that you're now going to have to make your final moves before going through three weeks of competition without being able to make a move. It's nice to have some flexibility to be able to pick up some guys late in the year that are going to be healthy and play as opposed to being stuck with players who, who perhaps are, are on the, are on IR. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, <laughs> We make plenty of mistakes too, and I'll, and I'll give you one perfect example. Is this past week um, in our main event um, champion uh, playoff game, we decided to start Greg Olson and benched Kyle Rudolph, who had been playing for the entire season, um, and that turned out to be a colossal failure. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, so you know, it doesn't matter. You can be the best, you know, fantasy football player in the world, and you're still going to make some mistakes that are going to cost you some, uh, some, some sleep, some nights. But you just do the best you can. You analyze the matchups the best, the best you can. You follow your gut the best you can, and um, you know, if if you're deep enough, you, you should you should be in in competition when the when the seasons ending i want to get to uh some some news around the nfl uh and how this is going to affect people submitting lineups on championship weekend here kelvin benjamin uh the buffalo bills receiver is dealing with a torn meniscus uh right now and normally that's a a several week injury uh the bills have been labeling him as day-to-day uh certainly his prospects of playing uh, in uh in week 13 don't look great if he does indeed remain out of action We've, we've heard a lot of, uh, of pundits and fantasy analysts talking about how good Tyrod Taylor's schedule looks these final few weeks of the season. So if his schedule is good and if Tyrod Taylor is making plays, who is he making those plays to if Benjamin is out? And is that player or players, is that are those the type of players that you want to have in your lineup with so much going, uh, you know, so much on the line? I, I think I, I think the Bills' schedule going forward has gotten – a little bit tougher maybe than it had looked to the experts, um, you know, earlier in the year. They now they have a matchup this week against the Patriots, which looked like a, a cake matchup a few weeks ago, but maybe not so much anymore as their defense is really starting to play much better. That being said, if I'm targeting a Buffalo Bill for my lineup this week, it's going to be Charles Clay. Um, you know, he only got four targets last week, but he turned those targets into 60 yards, four catches for 60 yards. As you can, you know, you compare him with someone like Zay Jones, who had 10 targets, um, but only turned that into three catches. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, given the 1.5 accelerator for tight ends in this league and, you know, the, the more sure-handedness of, of Clay, I would probably go with him. I mean, I do like Zay Jones some for the upside. Anyone who's getting 10 targets in week you know, 13 is definitely someone I'm paying attention to. But um, you, know, you have to be able to convert that opportunity into success. Um, Jordan Matthews hasn't done it this year. Um, you know, I, 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 they, they have the, the wide receiver who they signed off of for the Bears uh, squad, uh, Thompson, who is somewhat of a deep threat but not all that uh, reliable. 
So if I'm picking one player, I'm going with uh, Charles Clay. Yeah, Clay makes some sense. Obviously, you're going to have McCoy locked and loaded in your lineups as well. Um, and and you make a good point about the schedule too. I mean, it it uh, maybe at one point this season it looked really good, and maybe not so much anymore. And I don't know how many people are playing Tyrod Taylor anyway. I mean, there's a lot of people who actually dropped him in the FFPC after Peterman was named the starter. And uh, then he didn't get picked back up again. Uh, he, he might be locked in some leagues too. So we'll see what happens with that. Certainly the Buffalo uh, offense will be interesting to see. I'd love to see Kelvin Benjamin get back out there to see what it looks like, uh, especially going forward. Uh, Mike, if there is one player uh, that you and Adam need to, to really go off to make your 2017 season a, a big one, a massive one, who is that one player? And and maybe maybe is there one player this year that uh, that you have rostered that that can make a difference? Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's not just one player, but is there one guy out there that you are really really rooting hard for? I mean, I I would say without a doubt, you know, there, there's always a couple of guys each year who sort of make your season, and the the person who comes to mind for me without a doubt this year is Adam Thielen. I was involved in four playoff games uh, in in the Football Guys Championship and in the FFPC this past weekend. Two of those teams, I was playing Adam Thielen. In two of those leagues, I was playing against Adam Thielen. So all four of the teams that that were playing in 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 your championship, you know, in the FFPC had Adam Thielen on them. <laughs> so so that, te- what, that tells you pretty much all you need to know. Absolutely. Uh, um, the other guy who who has really been a help for us this year is we, on three of our four playoff teams, um, we have Carson Wentz. And, and Carson Wentz is someone who we were able to get a little bit later, probably even sometimes 15th round, and has produced just tremendously. And when you can when you can have a quarterback that you can rely on week to week like that, it is a tremendous luxury and something that um, that that can really take you far, especially if you got that quarterback late and you were able to stock, you know, your your running backs and wide receivers and tight ends with the people who you wanted. So, I mean, that would be probably my my uh, my thing would be to say Adam Thielen and Carson Wentz. I'm curious, uh, you know, because we saw Adam Thielen going in, you know, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round. He's kind of all over the spot or all over the place in those mid-round drafts this year. What what do you think um, when we look forward to next year? And obviously, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be for Minnesota. If it's going to be, you know, Keenum or or Bridgewater, or whoever. I don't even think the the Vikings have a quarterback under contract for 2018. So we'll see what happens there. But you think about. Um, where Thielen might go in the main event, where he might go in Football Guys Players Championship drafts. I, I know it's it's a little unfair to ask now, but where do you think Thielen is going next year in drafts? Oh, I think he's going to go high, Eric. I think he's going to go high. I think he may even go in the second round, um, but certainly no later no later than the third. I mean, his he he's becoming um, you know quite the PPR machine, but he's not. It's not even just that he is, he, you know, he's catching the ball. Uh, he, he's also a dynamic deep threat as well. So I expect him to go a, a lot higher. And, and you know, I, I, we were getting him in probably, you know, this, anywhere between the seventh to ninth round. And, you know, that that's what you've got to find. If you can find guys like that who you got at the seventh to ninth round who the next year are going to go in the first or second or third round, that's that's where you can really uh, 
make some hay in, in these types of competitions. Yeah, obviously uh, everybody's going to be all about Thielen next year. He could be a candidate for our uh, ascendant tag on the high stakes fantasy footballer. He could be a guy that just climbs and climbs and climbs and climbs um, until he's maybe going to like the second or, or, or um, you know, early third round. But the key, like you said, it's all about finding uh, this year's Adam Thielen next year in those, uh, in those late single digit rounds. So important to do. Uh, another piece of news around the NFL, uh, Damian Williams, shoulder dislocation for the uh, Miami Dolphins does not look like he is going to be playing this week or maybe in the, uh, you know, next week either. So Kenyon Drake sounds like he is going to be the man in the backfield there. No timeshare anymore. You look at what he brings to the table. What kind of numbers uh, do you think that he puts up this week for the Dolphins? I think, I think he's got a tough matchup this week against Denver. I, I, I still think the Denver defense is um, not someone who I would particularly root for my running back to be going up against. But by, but by volume alone and his big play ability, um, you know, his, his potential is, is strong. And if, if I owned Kenyon Drake, I'd be putting him in my lineup and I'd be uh, feeling pretty confident about it this week and going forward. And this is the kind of development that can really make a difference week 14 to 16 where uh, someone there's an injury and all of a sudden someone who was in a timeshare is now the guy and that that kind of differential can can make a make you climb up some charts uh in, in these competitions. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen it happen before, uh, especially this this time of year. You know, you think about Jamal Charles a few years ago, what he did in week 15. You think about um, D'Angelo Williams when Jonathan Stewart went down back in 2008. D'Angelo Williams really crushed it. If you go back even, even further than that, the Rams, the greatest show on turf, was down to their third string running back in Arlen Harris. And Arlen Harris actually had two great weeks in the championship round. So you're always uh, trying to find that lottery ticket, trying to find a, a spot uh, on your bench for him, and, and if he hits, uh, it, it definitely could shoot you uh, off the leaderboards. I, I, it's weird because we're talking about the championship round this year. I keep wanting to talk about next year. Maybe that's a comment on how bad my teams are doing. But let's look at <laughs> let's look at next year for tight ends uh, in this tight end premium format uh, that the FFPC has, Football Guys Players Championship. Three tight ends really stand out to me this year as, as far as being really, really dominant, and that's been Zach Ertz, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and Travis Kelsey. If we flash forward to 2018 main event time, who is the first tight end off the board for you, Mike? I think I'm going to lean towards Zach Ertz on that, um, Eric, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Carson Wentz and his ascension into the elite of quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I do like Travis Kelsey a lot, and I have uh, been known to target him uh, and have him be a difference maker on teams. But I just read something recently that said that uh, he's actually had seven games where he's had four targets or less. Um, and there may be a quarterback change coming in Kansas City. And so that would make me wonder, you know, is that change going to be good for him or bad for him? Gronkowski is obviously someone you're always going to have your eye on. And as long as Tom Brady is the quarterback, he's going to be someone who's drafted high. But Injury concerns there, um, you know, have have always uh, plagued him, and so if I'm if I'm having to make that decision today, I think I would go Ertz because his quarterback's on the rise. He is still a fairly young and healthy guy. I mean, what did he have? Ten catches over the weekend. Uh, I mean, it's it's it only seems to be the directional pointing up for him 
and the Eagles going forward. So if I had to make that decision today, it would be Ertz. But go ahead. But in 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 these leagues, you know, in 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 this format, you've got to have your eye on some other tight ends too. Like you want to be looking at guys like Geno Smith and Higby uh, and guys who could emerge. Um, going back to what we were talking about before, with guys you can get later who may produce value for you that was higher than their draft position. Yeah, definitely. And, and I've seen a, a lot of people over the last couple of years take, you know, it's, it's dependent upon what happens with Delaney Walker and, and, and the Titans situation. You never know, like, Johnny Smith could be a guy that goes in, like, the 10th, 11th round next year and then ends up being, like, a top 10 tight end. Who knows? I mean, he's certainly uh, – there, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of people who love him. And, and if the opportunity presents itself in Tennessee next year, uh, that might be a, – a, I mean, that, that would obviously be a much better value if, if he uh, brings home the bacon there and then taking Zach Ertz in round one or round two or wherever he would go in this type of format. And I'll say this about Ertz, too. Um, Baron, you know, not only does he have the, the up-and-coming quarterback in, in Carson Wentz, um, but you look at the other receivers on the team. Alshon Jeffrey's going to be a free agent. I mean, Nelson Aguilar has, has been okay. I mean, he certainly found the end zone quite a bit, but he's more of like a, he's not a possession type guy. He's, he's a guy, he's a big play type maker. So is uh, Mac Hollins is the other guy there, Torrey Smith. I mean, he's another deep threat. I mean, Ertz is really the reliable chain mover on that team. And, and um, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense that, that Ertz is not only has a more stable quarterback situation than, you know, Travis Kelsey does, um, but he, the supporting cast in Philadelphia is not near uh, what New England has uh, to flank with Rob Gronkowski, too. So certainly makes Ertz even more attractive uh, there. Um, championship round coming up. Championship weekend. League championship weekend in week 13, Mike. Line decisions are obviously going to be, well, once the waiver wire locks, it's really the only decisions that you have to make uh, going forward is, you know, who to start, who to bench. They become increasingly more important every week. Obviously, they're going to be huge for you having a top 40 uh, football guys team, having a top 100 main event team. Do you feel these last few weeks of the season that you spend more time analyzing matchups and and, and spending more time on, on setting those lineup decisions that, than you do earlier in the year? Or is it just better to go with your gut instinct, that, you know, that initial thought that you have uh, and, and not mess around with it too much and just and, and, and just and really go with your gut. Which which side of that spectrum do you normally fall on? I would say I fall more on the uh, analytical side of it. I, I you know, I, I think that I think one thing that's important is if you can decide your lineups the same way that you were deciding them in week one in week 14, 15, and 16. You know, if you have a system or a process or rankings that you like to look at or, you know, your own analysis, just continue to rely on it. And if you're making your decision in week 16 and you're, you know, in the top 10, you know, make that decision the same way that you would if it was week one and you're just trying to get your first victory. It's, it's still just fantasy football, no one else knows you're playing for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, it, it it does that part of it is that pressure that you're putting on yourself is all from from the contest and not from an analysis of who to start an NFL game. So I, I would say try to take that pressure out of it for yourself and just decide it the way you would decide any other fantasy football contest. Your home, you know, your your home league. You know, uh, you know, make your decisions 
and stick with them. And once they're they've been made, just just go with it and and, and root like hell. I uh, I want to thank you number one for for doing the show this week. I certainly appreciate it. I do want to ask you one final question um, before uh, before I let you go. A player that maybe was drafted relatively high that is still playing that is still healthy. Um, or at least relatively healthy, that you think you might cut bait on because he is not going to be worthwhile keeping on your roster uh, for the next four weeks of the season. And then with the waiver wire locking in the main event in the FPC, uh, a player that you want to make sure you're adding off the waiver wire this week in uh, in some of your leagues for, like we said, that that potential um, you know lottery ticket uh, shot to stardom that he could have uh, in the championship round. Sure. Um, there's a couple of guys... Um that that come to mind uh buck allen is someone who i had on on a lot of my teams but um it has helped uh helped out on on many teams but i do feel as though um he's just not getting uh the opportunity that he was getting several years back with woodhead back and collins kind of emerging he would be someone who probably isn't going to make it uh on my roster going forward Doug Martin is a guy that I took relatively high and really had great expectations for this year. Um, really thought he was going to be sort of my ace in the hole on several of my teams, and that that just hasn't really worked out at all. And he is now even a little bit banged up. Um, and and also uh, Jordan Reed, someone who I've loved uh, in, in years past and has, has brought me many a success. Um, he just can't seem to get back on the field and you know, at this point, I just don't know if, uh, even if he was going to be back on the field, whether I'd have the confidence to start him. Um, so those those guys on sort of the downside, I, I think, you know, if I was picking up um, someone for this week, it's going to be the Chargers defense. Uh, you know, the Chargers defense, I think, just looks fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I intend to target them um, going forward as, as they're playing Cleveland this week and have a fairly favorable matchup schedule uh you know going forward last uh last point i want to make about the chargers uh josh gordon is he going to do anything his first game back i mean obviously you really can't start him with so much on the line but what what are you looking at uh, for him this weekend i think you know i think it's hard to say but i think more i think josh gordon's effect may more be on deshaun kaiser and Corey coleman than it is from from himself if i'm if I'm a, a Corey Coleman owner, I think I would feel even a little more confident starting him. And certainly if I'm a Deshaun Kaiser owner, um, you know, and I was in a position where I had to start a quarterback maybe that, you know, th- that normally you wouldn't start, he would be someone who I would think about because the weapons that he's now been provided with are just so much different. Um, as far as Gordon, I mean, tremendous talent, but I, I have no idea what, uh, w- you know, what it's going to look like for him uh, on the field. Uh, it is always a uh, an entertaining mystery for the Cleveland Browns, and uh, we, we we add to it again this weekend with the return of Josh Gordon. Uh, listen, uh, Mike, so much uh, so much fun talking with you today and, and this week on on the High Stakes Lowdown. Good luck this weekend. Good luck in the championship round. Uh, you certainly got uh, a few horses uh, in the uh, in the race. We'll have to see what happens. Hopefully, the balls bounce your way, and we will talk to you again real soon, man. Thanks so much, Eric, and uh, have a great holiday season.
Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.